Hello, and welcome to the Respero podcast. I'm Joe Bishop, and uh, it's been a while since we recorded our last podcast. It's been a few weeks. Um, some of that's because we've had some really exciting things happen in the Bishop household. My wife and Kathy and I got to go up to Portland, Oregon to visit our son and his uh, lovely wife and their brand new baby, our grandson, our first grandchild, Dean Gilbert Bradley Bishop. And I'm not going to go on ad nauseum uh, about how, you know, great and wonderful our grandson is. I'll just state the obvious that he is the cutest baby ever. Somebody asked me uh, the other day, like, what was that like? What was that like to go and, you know, hold your, your first grandchild? And it's hard to put into words. There's so much love and joy and hope and wonder uh, in that experience that words kind of fail to express it. But it is, uh, it is true. It was truly a, a wonderful thing, and then get to see pictures of him uh, a lot. And we'll go visit him again in a couple weeks. So that's a big deal in our life that's happened since the last time we made a podcast. Um, the Respero podcast is uh, a teaching arm of Respero Ministries, and Respero Ministries is all about helping people have great relationships. We want to be involved in people's lives to help them heal the places where there's brokenness and there's broken relationships and help people experience the deep connection and intimacy and joy of close relationships because that's what we were created for. And so we want to bring hope into people's lives based on the deep and unbreakable love of Jesus. So that's what we're all about. And in this podcast, as we've started it, this is episode nine, and uh, we've been talking about the different obstacles and challenges and struggles that get in the way of healthy relationships. And today, and in the next couple of podcasts, I want to talk about the idea and the issue of acceptance. How do we accept one another? How do we grow closer in our relationships in spite of differences and disappointments? Those are the two biggest obstacles to acceptance in human relationships. We struggle to accept because we're so different and because we disappoint each other, and we don't know what to do with that. So today in this podcast, I'm just going to talk about acceptance, and then we'll talk about how do we handle differences in healthy ways, especially in our closest relationships, marriages and families and friendships, and then another podcast where we talk about how do we handle disappointment in a healthy way. Because that's a big issue, and I don't think it gets talked about very much. So, But for today, acceptance. Now this was a big theme in the New Testament. Because it was so important um, as the church was getting started, and throughout the Roman Empire and different cities, as people were becoming 
followers of Jesus. They would hear about Jesus and be drawn to be part of this new movement, this new community um, that consisted of people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah of Israel and the, <clears throat> the Lord of life. And, and so they would gather together and in these cities there would be house groups, house churches, people gathering in homes of maybe 30 or 40 people, pretty small. But these were unique because you would have people from all walks of life, from all social and economic and different races, different religious backgrounds, different you know men and women, different genders, sitting together in the same room as equals. And that was unheard of. That had never happened before in human history, where Jew and Gentile and rich and poor and masters and slaves and Roman soldiers and people who had been oppressed by Roman soldiers were all sitting in the same room trying to figure out what does it look like to follow Jesus together. And that was a new thing in human history. And not only had there never been a community like it, but there had never even been the idea of a community like this. And so learning how to accept uh, each other in these groups where there was so much difference, so much disparity and diversity was a key thing to the health and growth and life of the church because this was how the love and reality and power of God was, was most evident, was most, most seen if these people could actually get along with each other and actually love each other, actually learn to accept each other then that would be a powerful testimony to the reality and love of Jesus. So that's why there are places throughout the New Testament where it talks about this. And for instance, in uh, the, a letter written to the uh, church in Rome, Paul, who wrote this letter, encourages them to accept each other. He says, accept the other person who you think their faith is weak without passing judgment on these different matters where we disagree. And believe it or not, back then, they actually would disagree about things like what you could eat, what you could wear, where you could go. Boy, I'm glad we're over that now in the church, um, he said, ironically. Um, but back then, that they were having <clears throat> those issues about what was okay to do. And so he's encouraged them not to make that a divisive thing, but to accept, to have... Uh, to have a willingness to not make a big deal about things that weren't deal breakers in terms of their unity and their loving each other. So he, he, gives, he gives a long example about, you know, what, what can you eat? And he basically says, yeah, you're going to disagree about that, but don't let it get in the way of your unity and acceptance for each other. And he finally says then, and this is in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. He says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So this is a big deal, and it's still a big deal for us today. And we don't do very well at it. We don't do great at it in the church, unfortunately. 
if you think about where is the place in our culture, in our society, where people sit down together and actually listen to each other and hear each other's stories and everybody's equal, no matter what their circumstances in life are. People don't think of the church. Instead, what they might think of, and the place where that probably happens the most, and in the best way in our culture, is in uh, AA meetings or other kinds of recovery meetings. And a big part of the the value and the power of uh, AA and their model is just that. We're all equal. We're all strugglers. We, we accept each other. We don't judge. We don't reject. Because we know that we're all in this together. And that's how it's supposed to be in the church. Uh, unfortunately, in our world, in our culture, and in our churches today, it is becoming more and more about who we are against and who we don't like and who's in and who's out and us versus them. And we're all aware of this and we're all struggling with this. But if we can learn how to accept each other, what that means, what that looks like, how to get there, this will be powerful in our own lives, our own souls, our own relationships, our families, our churches. So this is a big deal. So what does it mean to accept one another? Well, it means to be for the other person. That you genuinely want their well-being. Uh, John Ortberg uh, writes in one of his books, um, <laughs> It's a book called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. And it's a really good book about relationships. And he writes, acceptance is an act of the heart. To accept someone is to affirm to them that you think it's a very good thing that they are alive. And I like that sentence. To be for them. And it, to accept another person means to include them that you invite them, that you welcome them into relationship or your group. The longing to be accepted, the longing to be included, and the fear of rejection, the fear of being excluded, those are two of the most powerful motivators in, in human behavior. We long to be wanted and accepted. Uh, they were powerful in my life. Um, I remember when I was about 15, just I think eighth grade or ninth grade, and those are rough years. And I mean, who wants to go back and go through middle school again? And we're all seeking acceptance and wanting to be part of, uh, you know, people, you know, the in crowd or the cool kids. And that was my desire. And I had. I had this painful memory of, of uh, standing in the hall outside of a room where a group of people that I thought were my friends, other kids, were talking, and I overheard them, and I realized they were talking about me. This was at a dance, and I think it was at the end of my ninth grade year. And they're talking about me, and they're making fun of me, and they're using a nickname that one guy had given me that I hated. And it was really painful because I felt very rejected. 
And then that was a real motivator for me. I kind of decided I'm, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to be cool. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be included. And so that really motivated my behavior over the next few years. And I largely succeeded, but at some real cost to some other things in my life, which I won't go into right now. But we long to be accepted, and we hate being rejected. Then I had another experience a few years later when I was 18 uh, of really being drawn into a group of people who accepted me and welcomed me, and this was a group at a church. And it was a powerful thing uh, of why I was drawn to become a follower of Jesus and to be part of this group because they loved me and they accepted me and they really well. And it's what we long for. So what does it mean to accept one another? It means to include them, to welcome them, to offer relationship despite our differences or, our, or other people's flaws or weaknesses. It means that we don't try to change them before we will accept them or include them. We accept them as they are. Uh, even if they're not like me, even if they don't agree with me about everything. To accept one another means that we listen to them. There's another quote uh, by another author. It says, listening is the single most important relational skill a person can develop. And I believe that. I agree with that. And we can all get better at that skill. It is ironic that we try to impress people by saying clever or funny things, yet nothing binds one human being to another more than the sense that they have been deeply carefully listened to. It is no accident that we speak of paying attention to people. Attention is the most valuable currency we have. And that's very true. And so what does it mean to accept one another? It means that we listen. We listen deeply. This is important, of course, in counseling. Um, what Respero does is we do counseling. We offer counseling to people and then also teaching and group opportunities. But um, in my counseling training and experience, I always remember what um, one of the earliest Christian psychiatrists, a guy named Paul Tournier, he was a Swiss medical doctor and psychiatrist and uh, very influential. And People wanted to know, this was back in the 50s and 60s, and people would, he had a great reputation, people would want to know, how do you do it? What's your technique? What's your model? And he said, it's a little embarrassing when students come over and study my techniques because they always go away disappointed. All I do is accept people. So this idea of, of accepting through listening and communicating that we are for them is really what we're talking about and it's what it's what's so powerful in our relationships now it does not mean that we tolerate or approve of everything anybody does we don't have to agree about everything and we don't have to necessarily put up with people's bad behavior when they when they do harmful things 
foolish things. Doesn't mean we never speak into that. Never means we don't address. It does not to accept someone. Doesn't mean we never address hard things or speak truth into people's lives. It does mean that we do it in love. I believe it's possible to have the hard conversation to say to somebody, "What you did is not okay. That really hurt." And that means that you know when you do that. It's going to limit the depth in the, of our relationship because that's really hurtful and I'm not going to just act like it didn't happen. So there are going to be some boundaries. And see, I believe it's possible to have those kind of conversations and to do that without shaming, uh, without being contemptuous, and without rejecting. To do it with an attitude, my heart is open to a closer relationship, but when you do this that makes it impossible so to be seeking uh, reconciliation so acceptance doesn't mean that we you know approve or ignore uh, bad behavior when people sin against us or hurt us it does mean that, that we actually tell them and tell them in ways though that are communicate we are still for them we still believe they have what it takes but when you do this that hurts that's not okay you know it's sometimes it's you, we can understand what what something is by thinking about its opposite so when we think about acceptance what is the opposite of acceptance and of course the words that come to mind are judgment rejection exclusion and so that's that's what not accepting looks like when we judge somebody, when we reject them, when we're very uh, pointed about excluding them. So accepting one another, even the people that we love, learning how to do that better and communicating acceptance is vital to healthy relationships. What does that look like? What are some examples in real life relationships well the first place of course that we want to look for good examples is Jesus and we see over and over in the stories of of the gospels as we as we read these stories about Jesus interacting with people we see this brought to life this idea of acceptance radical unconditional acceptance for instance let me just let me just look at a few of the stories in the Gospels. Uh, for instance, there's a story in the Gospel of Luke where it says Jesus was uh, in the, the town of Jericho. He was passing through Jericho. Jericho is a town, it's only about 20 miles away from Jerusalem, so he's probably on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, from Galilee, they would follow the Jordan River down through the, the river valley and to Jericho and then head straight, pretty much straight uphill to Jerusalem. And Jesus is passing through Jericho and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Uh, that's a Jewish name, so this is a Jewish man and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Now let's just stop there. 
He's a tax collector, and it is hard for us to understand how hated a tax collector was. The Romans, who were uh, ruling Israel in that day by force, by military force, they didn't use their own people as tax collectors. They would find Jewish people who were willing to be tax collectors. And so Zacchaeus is a, a, a Jew, he's an Israeli, but he's working for the Romans. And so his own people, the Jews, just would have despised him because what happened with the tax collectors was the Romans would say, here's how much tax we need, and we know that you need, need to get paid too, so, you know, charge a little extra, whatever you want. They didn't really care as long as they got their tax. And, of course, most of the tax collectors were pretty unscrupulous and greedy and would collect uh, way more uh, than the Romans were requiring. So the Jewish people just hated them. So they were despised by their own people. Zacchaeus would have been one of the most uh, disliked man in Jericho. The Romans, you know, didn't accept, or he certainly wasn't part of the Romans um, community there. They despised the tax collectors too, but they used them. So he's a man probably without a group. He's, he's excluded from community, and he's short. Sounds like he's really short, so that's a hard thing too. Um, in a world where, if you're tall, if you're attractive, you know, physical appearance goes a long way towards being liked and accepted. So he's got a lot of strikes against him, and that's hard. So that's all we know about it. But Jesus is in town. He hears that Jesus is in town. He wants to see this this Jesus that he's heard about. So the story goes on, and it says Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to be able to see Jesus. And since Jesus is coming that way, Zacchaeus wants to get a clear view of him. And what happens is Jesus gets to this tree where Zacchaeus is. It says Jesus reached the spot, and he looked up into the tree, and he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus! Come down. Come down out of the tree. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now this is one of those dramatic moments in these stories about Jesus that we just skip over sometimes. But Jesus is walking along and people are following him. His, his uh, disciples are there. These men and plenty of women too that followed him regularly and people from Jericho are just tagging along and he stops and he looks at one person and calls him by name and it is the hated tax collector. And so we can guess what other people's reaction to this was because he didn't just say he didn't just say hi to Zacchaeus he said, I want to come over to your place. I, I want to stay at your place. He kind of invited himself, but that was, a, that was a powerful gesture of acceptance and 
uh, invitation to relationship, and people didn't like it. In, in this story in Luke, it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Because they put people in categories. They divided people up. Who's for us? Who's against us? Who's in? Who's out? Again, we're still doing that today more than ever. And they didn't like that Jesus was uh, breaking these rules, breaking these boundaries about who you associated with. He was accepting and including Zacchaeus, and they didn't know what to do with that. But this was a powerful, powerful experience for Zacchaeus, and it changed his heart. He's a wealthy guy. He had gotten that wealth at the... Um, at the cost of others. He had taken money from others. And so it says that after that, and I don't know if this is after they'd shared a meal at Zacchaeus's house or if it's even right there, but at some point Zacchaeus stood up and said to Jesus, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, that's ironic because he has, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. So Jesus is just acknowledging he's in, he belongs. He's, he's part of what God's up to. He's in God's people and God's family. He, he has recognized that being part of that family and being a follower of, of mine means you don't cheat people, you don't, you don't use people. He gets it. And so this just, but Jesus' gesture of acceptance is what changed Zacchaeus' heart. It's powerful. It's powerful to be accepted, especially when you're used to rejection. Let's look at one more quick story about how Jesus accepts somebody that other people were rejecting and restores them to relationship and community. This story is also in Luke, and um, it's a story about how a Pharisee, one a, a religious leader, a Jewish religious leader, invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. That's how they ate. They ate kind of reclining, laying down, not sitting straight up like we do. Uh, and it says, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town... And when it says that, that is referring to sexual sin, almost undoubtedly. She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, first of all, just a couple of things to uh, be aware of. This meal would have had a number of guests and would have been in an open courtyard at the Pharisee's house. So 
and people would have been going by and even coming into the courtyard so much more public than we think of you know a private meal in somebody's home so it's not crazy that this woman uh, doesn't mean she kind of broke in the door and in injected herself she would have been able to walk into this courtyard and and come right up to Jesus but for her to be weeping and then uh, wipe his feet with her hair cleaning uh, feet and washing feet was a much more common and bigger deal in that day and age especially when you think about you know they're reclining at tables so there's feet the other person's feet are pretty close to your face so she cleaned them washed his feet but with perfume with expensive perfume she's so deeply grateful for um and perhaps she had heard jesus teach or had had a personal conversation with him before but the Pharisee, uh, who's the host, sees this and has this attitude just of rejection towards her. And he thinks to himself, it tells us, if Jesus really were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And we reject sinners. But Jesus answered him, Simon, the host's name is Simon. So Jesus says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he, he, gives, he tells a story. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Yes, you have judged correctly, Jesus says. And then he turns towards that woman and he says, Do you see this woman, Simon? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, which, by the way, would have been expected as a host. But Jesus says, You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then he blesses her and sends her away in peace. He accepts her. He knows what she's done. But he does not, his heart is not inclined towards rejection and exclusion like the Pharisees is. He wants to forgive and include and accept. And part of how he re accepts her is by receiving her love. He lets her come close. He lets her express her love for him, her, her, her gratitude, her, her sincere just joy and love of who he is and what what he's done for her how he accepts her and it's so powerful it's so powerful and Jesus uses this to make a point about how important it is not to judge people not to exclude them not to reject them reject them just because we don't think they're good enough and we see Jesus doing this over and over again we see it 
you know, early in his ministry where he accepts Peter, even though Peter keeps messing up. It says he he goes to a leper or a leper comes to him and Jesus accepts him, touches the leper and then heals the leper. But this this significant little detail that before Jesus heals him, while he's still a leper, it says Jesus touched him. Just communicating acceptance, communicating that you're okay. So we see in these stories how Jesus, he saw people. He listened to them. He moved towards them. He touched them. He blessed them. This is how we communicate acceptance. This is how we um, let people know that we want relationship with them and we truly do accept them. But this requires that our hearts be open to this. How do we change our hearts so that whether it's somebody we know or don't know, whether it's the person who is closest to us or somebody that we just would rather never have to be around, how do we change our hearts so that our hearts are predisposed towards acceptance and grace and love instead of rejection and exclusion? And I think I think it's when we are deeply, deeply immersed and soaked in the reality that Christ has accepted us. That's what Paul said in, in back in Romans 15, accept one another as Jesus has accepted you. So believing that that's true, that's real, that Jesus accepts us just the way we are. Because we know, we know ourselves. We know how messed up we can be, how selfish, how self-centered, how self-protective. We know how we've hurt people, and Jesus accepts us. We know how we've failed, how we've violated love, but just reflecting and embracing this reality that Jesus has accepted us. That's how we reset our hearts and predispose our hearts to accept other people. Now, there's a lot more to say about this. Uh, and that's what we're going to do in our next couple of podcasts. How do we accept even when there's differences? Big differences, little differences, all kinds of differences. Differences with the person to whom we're married or the person who we're sitting beside in church, who's in our small group, who we work with. How do we recognize those differences, name them, and move towards acceptance? But the foundation of that is always going to be knowing that that blessing and acceptance from Jesus is real. And because of that, I don't have to compare or compete for love i don't have to i don't have to be controlled by the fear of what other people think or whether or not i'm accepted or rejected by them because i have what my heart longs for the god who created me loves me and accepts me so accept one another and as we often end our podcast the lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So, amen to that. If this podcast is helpful to you, um, there's a couple of things that I'd love for you to do if you'd be willing. Tell other people, number one. Pass it on. And then number two, if you would take just a couple of minutes and go on uh, iTunes to our podcast and write a review. That will really help us get the word out and extend our ministry. So that would be great. All right. We're done with this Respero podcast.